On this episode, we're celebrating the beginning of season four by diving into one of the most iconic tales of all time, Beauty and the Beast. We'll be discussing two popular retellings, so dust off your candelabra and make sure your library ladder is ready for a good spin around the room as we dive into A Court of Thorns and Roses and buy the book. If these two are still on your to-be-read list, we'd waltz your way on over to another episode. Just watch out for any mobs of villagers on your way out. Welcome back to Page Rage Season 4. Welcome back, everyone. I know you missed us. <laughs> I feel like Gossip Girl. I have- I'm like, XOXO. <laughs> Gossip Girl. <laughs> I feel like as time keeps going on, Ashley's intros are getting better more and better. More ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> I'm just starting to care less and less about seeming a certain way and just starting to realize that if you're still listening to us, you know we are absolutely insane. <laughs> so just lean into and the crazy. And that's what you guys like about us. Yes. <laughs> also, while it is not Valentine's Day when we are recording, it will be Valentine's Day when you are listening. So happy Valentine's Day, everyone. To the singles and the relationships, happy Val Day. Well, we're kind of throwing it back and kicking it forward, but we're talking about, truly, a tale as old as time, Beauty and the Beast. Very excited for this one. Do you guys generally like retellings or based on the stories, or do you prefer the classics to stay as they are? If by you guys, you mean me, <laughs> me yes. myself and I. We, uh, I, I like a good remix. I'm always here for a good remix. Um, as long as it does something to the story and or tells it in a fun way, I, I can get behind a good remix. What about you? I like a remix with their own personal spin on it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, remember when they did Brandy's Cinderella? Oh, I loved iconic. how they just took it and made it their own. But then I'm going to throw this out here because it's like my least favorite. When they redid Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm. Laverne Cox, who I love, mm-hmm. just played Tim Curry's Frankenfurter. I was annoyed. Like, take it and make it your own. Don't replicate him. Mm-hmm. I want you to see, I want to see your own spin on it. Like, do you, girl? I'm I'm living for it. That's my only caveat is I want, if you're going to redo it, make it your own. Exactly. Well, the original Beauty and the Beast I didn't actually know how old this story was, but it was actually written by a French author. And I'm going to butcher this name. I'm just going to let you guys know. French is not my forte. <laughs> uh, but it was actually published in 1740. This is like before America wow. was America, right? So 1740 by French author Gabrielle Suzanne Barbeau de Villeneuve. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. What do you think it is about this specific story that has kept it relevant for hundreds and hundreds of years? Honestly, I feel like every woman's out here trying to save a man most of the time. Like we're always looking for vulnerability in a big man. Like we're always like, oh, mm-hmm. puppy. Yeah. Until you're cleaning up after them like their children, then it's mm-hmm. it's not so mm-hmm. fun. So they've never done a story like host. The post would be very interesting. <laughs> it's like I am very tired of you. Happily ever after. Nobody sees them 15 years from now with kids. Well, I can't speak to the original. I did read through some of it yesterday, but at least in terms of the cartoon that came out when we were very young children, I think what has kept me so obsessed with that story is the library. Like, it's the library. I truly don't care about anything else, but I love Belle in that iteration, her obsession with reading and that library. Mm -hmm. That's been a goal. It's been something I have told every man I have ever dated. Do you at some point feel as though you'll be able to build me this 
his library. If not, we are not a match. And then I realized I <laughs> can build my own library. <laughs> like I will build mm-hmm. it for myself. On to our first remix, which we have the second installment in the Meant to Be series, which Disney bought and decided to put it out to remake all the, you know, all of our favorite fairy tales. By the Book by Jasmine Guillory came out in May of 2022 and gave the tale as old a time a little remix. Izzy is an overworked, underpaid editorial assistant who is one of the few black employees at her publishing house. Feeling stifled and voiceless, she overhears her boss talking about a, quote, beastly author who is long overdue on his manuscript. Trekking her way to Santa Barbara, she meets the handsome Beau Towers and realizes she shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Was this a rage or rave for you, Ash? I thought this book was really cute. There were a lot of things that Jasmine, because we're besties, Jasmine, did with this story and how she told the story of Beauty and the Beast that I did like. But uh, comparing it to the first book in this Meant to Be series, which was based on Cinderella, I felt like there was a little more depth to that. And I'm not sure why, because I've read quite a bit of Jasmine Guillory's writings and there's depth. I'm always very attuned to the characters. I, I feel their relationship. In this, it felt a little surface level for me. There were a lot of things that Izzy was going through, Bo as well, but I just don't feel like it was as meaty as I needed it to be, if that makes any sense. It makes perfect sense because I felt the same exact way. It was actually my first reading of that author. And like I told you, I was like, there wasn't anything I hated about it, but there wasn't anything that I could really sink my teeth into because that's not my kind of book. I want a little bit more Mm -hmm. in depth. But I will say what I loved about this book is in the beginning when she's talking about being overworked Mm -hmm. and underpaid, I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. I was like, yes. She's like lost. I was like, girl, me too. I'm I'm here with you. Felt for her 100% because I was like, how are you ending this journey? Because I need tips on how to end my journey of feeling yeah. lost and overworked and underpaid. <laughs> no, there were definite <laughs> moments where I, I connected with Izzy because of things like that. The fact that she's in New York City. She literally went to a conference in Los Angeles, drove up to Santa Barbara. I've done this whole drive. As soon as mm-hmm. she hit the PCH, which is one of the most beautiful drives that I have ever done. I was like, yes, girl, I've been right in your shoes. I know exactly where you are. Like there were there were times where I really felt aligned with her and like I understood what she was going for, but I don't know what it was. But obviously you've read another Jasmine Gallery novel too. There's just a little bit more substance usually. There's also a little bit more spice usually. I also don't feel like we got to know Bo quite as well as some of the other love interests in her other books. I just don't feel like there was time. It was too short. And I don't know if because Disney is involved, there are certain stipulations for the ways they have to uh... handle or what they can say, how far they can go things like that. I'm not really sure. I have a feeling though that because of their involvement, it does have to be a little bit more cookie cutter. That's a very good point. You know, Disney's on the law. Mm -hmm. Well, how did you feel about this specific retelling? Did you enjoy the Easter eggs? It was definitely like some nods to the film. Did you feel like the changes in this one worked? Um, yes, it was cute. Like the Michaela was Kettle Mm -hmm. and then she had her son and it's not my favorite retelling, but Mm -hmm. it was like, it was okay. It was okay. I liked Izzy Mm -hmm. a lot. I liked how they made her (laughs) so relatable. Like you said earlier, I did wish there was more from Bo, but then again, you know, in Disney's version, you didn't get a really a lot from the beast mm-hmm. either on a whole lot of things. That's true. There's not a lot of substance to the, the beauty and the beast yeah. either. You're right. You know, I think about it. Not a lot of the uh, Disney princes have a whole lot of no. like no. depth to them in general. No. I was just going through like Cinderella, whoever mm-hmm. they are, they're all Prince Charming. Cinderella, Snow White, like mm-hmm. Beast, mm-hmm. all of them. They're just 
They're the same thing. I will say for me, um, I literally in my notes, the first thing that I have written down when she will die is page five, a new tote bag. She was very excited about this new tote bag <laughs> that she got. And I was like, she's a girl after my own heart. She's also <laughs> definitely in New York City because if you're in New York, you know how crucial and vital tote bags are to everyday life. But I thought it was really cute. There was a lot of like, be my guest, little references. The Wi-Fi mm-hmm. password was Lumiere, which was adorable. I also loved that they did include the library scene, which is one of my favorite but it was in a bookstore instead. I was like, that's that's a cute way to do it in like a modern way where we don't all necessarily have these like massive beastly libraries. And then Angela, the flight attendant, definitely a nod to Angela Lansbury. I thought they were I thought they were cute. They were little cute moments. They got me excited. Her yellow, long, flowy yellow dress yeah. that she wore down the staircase. I'm like, I like how the way that you modernized it and pulled it in. It was cute. Why do you think Jasmine Guillory chose to write Bo as a writer? I think that was the most logical way to modernize the beast and to make him have to open up and change because I'm not really sure how else other than just like the typical like he's a bad boy and you're gonna like change (laughs) him it's like that doesn't exist like that's not a real thing anymore like he's a fuck boy (laughs) you're not gonna change him you know yeah what about you? Uh, he was a child actor mm-hmm. and they formed him into having a memoir. I thought that worked really, really well. And I think it, there, if she's a publishing agent, exactly. that was only really the only option she was going to end up in. Truly, beauty is in these books. She is held hostage and you can't do that now. So there was no nice way to do that other than this. She could have gone for Joe from you because that could have worked, <laughs> but like Disney would not have been down for that. No. <laughs> that's the only thing I could have thought no, of. That's also not. She could have been trapped in a cage his death cage underneath wherever he's put it style in any capacity so i don't think that would have been up her alley but would have been a fun twist (laughs) (laughs) fun twist (laughs) oh my god that would have been hilarious (laughs) okay well in the classic like we keep referencing Belle does not actually have any friends to turn to that are from her old life. She obviously makes friends with all the like various characters that she interacts with. But how do you think Izzy having an external support system, um, Priya, who I also loved, helped change the arc from what we saw in the original? And do you think that was good, bad? I think having a sidekick, I guess for a better word, in a book gives the character a more depth be more of a mind and I feel like she's not as quick to get Stockholm syndrome Mm -hmm. Belle had in the original Mm -hmm. so I think because she had a friend like she could talk to on the outside world made it less kidnappy and more (laughs) (laughs) more not kidnappy (laughs) not kidnappy this is our educated terminology you know it's perfect for this discussion though I love that kidnappy versus not kidnappy I liked Priya Although when I was going through this, I'm like, if Kat is in this situation and she's texting me that she is hanging out in some guy's mansion because they're working together on this editorial thing and it goes from like a week to a month, guess who's showing up at the front door for a really extended period of time? You know what I mean? Like Priya did pop up obviously quickly, but like I would have been there at least on the back half. Like I'm just going to work by the pool. You won't even know I'm here. (laughs) But I'm like, I'm not just going to allow this to be happening without inserting myself forcibly into the situation. So That was the only other thing, though, is I feel like I would have probably inserted myself into the situation a wee bit more. Because also, you're a single, and especially Izzy, a single woman of color, you know, in this situation. Mm -hmm. I'm like, girls in general, I just feel like we need some backup for safety purposes. So I didn't feel like she was unsafe at all throughout this. In real life perspective, my behind would have been right there. Like, hey, guys, what are we doing? 
I feel for Izzy because I feel like I operate in a very similar way in my workspaces in New York, workspaces where there's a lot of people that are not of color in any capacity. So I latch on to the other brown person or the other other that I can find and we are like besties. <laughs> and that's just how you get through. So I did appreciate this because I, I felt this in my soul. Uh, speaking of, I want to ask you this question mm-hmm. because I'm curious. So let's discuss the rule burnout because we both have that. That plays in Izzy's work life and the challenges of having your favorite hobby, your passion, and your job all be the same thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we don't do this bookstagram thing as like our sole source of income as well. So I do think we have a little bit of a gap between that. But you know, even since we started this podcast, we the amount of books that we are reading and getting recommended, I mean, I think you can speak to it too, but it gets very overwhelming. And we can get very burnt out just from trying to keep on a schedule and read all the books we have to read for the podcast plus books we just want to read like it's overwhelming Mm -hmm. and you get burnt out and I'm like I don't even want to look at a book but then how do you do that when books are like your your safe place you know it's it's tough I think we've done a good job of adapting and trying to give ourselves like base and just be okay if there's just a time where we have to reschedule things we do it right in the case of Izzy and just looking at like real work I mean it's tough that's tough and I can't imagine how do you deal with burnout when your safe space is also what is killing you, (laughs) like taking your life source away. You know, that's a tough, that's a tough situation. I think we just run away to Greece and (laughs) live our best lives, right? Always. That's always my backup in my head. Listen, as soon as I hit the lotto, man, uh, my first call, Ashley, (laughs) 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 start packing your bags. I'll 50,000 of your jeans. <laughs> you won't need them, but just in case. I will have that. You never know. Okay? You never know. I, know. I will be prepared for any denim situation. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, you're you're 100% right. I was talking to somebody and they were like, you know, the Goodreads challenge had ended. And they were like, I read 35 books this year. How many did you read? And I looked at them. And I was like, 161. Mm-hmm. We're just like keeping, keeping up to keep up. All right. Well, Obviously, as part of this, Izzy stays with Bo to help him write his book. It goes from a few days to a couple weeks to like a month. In what ways do you see Bo as also having helped Izzy throughout this process? I think it helped her find her spark. That's what I think is the best way to put it. Like he was taking her away from being in an office where she was one of the few black people there both people very of color cute. i was like of any race if mm-hmm. i remember correctly um and giving her like a minute it's it's like a reset mm-hmm. like he, she was at this beautiful mansion she was going to these little bookshops she was like finding her love for her passion for literature again and i think that is what helped her along the way find that and i mean being trapped in a mansion with a very beautiful chocolate man helping her probably find her way out of feeling so lost mm-hmm. and i wish i had that at times seriously mm-hmm. that's what i felt like greece was for us mm-hmm. and anytime we got out of the country i was like this is it this is where i recharge mm-hmm. and all that i think along the lines of what you were saying i do agree he helped get her out of like the tunnel vision mindset it's so hard especially I feel like when you're working in New York it's it's such a vibe right but it's like you're just it's like this hustle culture everybody's just like working their asses off you're in the office really early till really late and it's just I don't know the mood it doesn't end like it doesn't sleep there's always all this energy and it's just it can be exhausting just and so I think having this time to like be in Santa Barbara which is one of the most beautiful places in California I'm obsessed with it also I think he helped her regain her confidence 
because she was really struggling in that office setting because there were people she looked up to who did not have her best intentions at heart. And I think here working with Bo, she gained her confidence as an editor and she allowed herself to be open to the fact that she can write and something that she loves. She is actually good at it and could make a career out of it, but it just gave her that safe space to just kind of open back up a lot of the areas that she had like closed down on herself. You spoke about it earlier, but Izzy often feels alone without a mentor who understands her experiences as a black woman in the publishing industry. And she longs for books that feature more characters who look like her. I mean, this is like something we talk about all the time on this podcast, but let's discuss the importance of representation in this book. (sighs) Yeah, I think Izzy definitely is dealing with and or has felt a lot of like what I have felt even in my own career working in the industry that I have worked in, not really having that person or that woman of color to like look up to to really talk to and be like, how do I deal with this situation? What the hell do I do (laughs) with, with this moment? Because I see what's happening, but it's very hard to address it with the other person involved without them feeling like attacked. I feel this on a very deep level. In terms of just representation in literature, though, we talk, you're right, we talk about this all the time, because I feel like over the past few years, we've had so many books that we've read where we were just like, my God, like, I feel this character to my core, like, this is me. And I know we talked about it with Sangu and she joined us um, on our mm-hmm. last episode of the last season. And we talked about representation and And just that moment of feeling seen, because that character is just like you to a T, it's unlike anything I can explain. I don't think we have to explain. I think everybody knows what that feels like to like see yourself represented Mm -hmm. in a character. But it is important. And I appreciate everybody in the publishing industry who is fighting the good fight, trying to make sure authors of color and different voices are being heard and being published. It has changed. I am seeing the change. Like Ashley says this all the time. I never look at, I I don't know who writes books. Like I don't ever look at the author, but since we've been doing this podcast and actually kind of like opened my eyes to authors of color who don't get as much display time, I guess is the best way to put it. There, there would have been something missing in my life if I had not read Opal and Eve. Like that is that book. Oh, oh my God. Oh, Seriously. Donnie, Donnie, I love Donnie, we love you. Uh, <laughs> don't block us. <laughs> I know we're a little Huge intense. Fans. We love you. Huge fans. I would have felt like something is bereft from my life mm-hmm. because I did not read that book. And, and Talia Hibbert and, and Kay Jemison I swear I'm coming for you. You are on You're my on CPR. Yes. Swear to God. We're going to have an episode about it. So we're, we have to read it. When we started this podcast, that was a, a journey I was on myself is I think it was 2020. And I think we all did a lot of self-reflection in 2020 because what else sure did we have to do? Like we're just like stuck in our houses. But um, it was that moment where I realized that my reading was not as diverse as I thought it was, or I never really paid attention. I just picked up a book that sounded interesting, but I didn't take that second to be like, what else could I be learning? What other voices are out there? And I completely agree. When we read Firekeeper's Daughter, and we were sitting Mm -hmm. there like, just realizing how much we lost in this country by not embracing our native roots and just how different our celebrations would have been, our rituals would have been, just the way we operated could have been. Um, And I agree. I don't know where I would be without some of these books that we've read recently that have just been incredible and have opened my eyes to just different ways of life and different people and just different relationships and situations. And 
I've loved our books <laughs> the past couple of years. It has made oh, me yeah. so happy. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy we're on this journey. And <laughs> I'm happy that all these authors are getting a platform. I know. So. One thing about both just the, the trope of Beauty and the Beast across the board is the fact that it's forced proximity, right? Like that is the, the heart of the story. There's not a lot of, you know, different scenarios. There's not a lot of different scenes. Although I do feel like in this book with Izzy and Bo, we did get to get out of the house a bit more than the traditional mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast trope. But how do you feel like sharing that space impacted the two of them differently? I like, I, I get the forced proximity, but you're in a straight up mansion. Like you could probably <laughs> live two different wings and never see each other unless you decide to come down for dinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much it, it impacted Izzy, to be honest with you, but as much as it impacted Bo having somebody in his space 24 mm-hmm. seven and like in his face to finish this manuscript and kind of being his therapist along the way. Mm-hmm. Agree 1000%. It definitely was more of an impact on him because he's very much mm-hmm. a recluse and a hermit and just was, that was his safe space, but that was also hard for him, I'm sure, to have somebody in his safe space, right? I think Mm -hmm. the more impactful moments for him were the times where he was like, let's go out. And he was like, willingly, like, okay, we can leave the house. I think that was probably where we were seeing his growth as a person. All in all, it's a cute read. Yes. Not up to par as some of the other Jasmine Guillory novels that I have read. So if you've read her novels, you might be a little bit surprised by this. But I did really like Izzy. I liked her as a character. It was a very cute Mm -hmm. read. If you want a a Beauty and the Beast retelling, pick it up. I wish she would do like a little spinoff of Priya, but I I don't know. That'd be so cute. I'm just saying. Okay, well, getting into our second adaption, and I think no one will be surprised by this one, but A Court of Thorns and Roses was published in May of 2015 and has literally exploded all over TikTok, aka Book Talk, over the past few years. Farah, our main character, is struggling to feed her family, who are complete assholes, by the way, at least in this book, and kills the wrong or maybe the right wolf. The wolf ends up a fairy in disguise, and she's dragged to a magical land, Prithian, to live out her debt in a mansion with a beastly roommate or two, looking at you, Lucian. Slowly, her feelings start to thaw out against the beastly fairy, Tamlin, and transform into something more. Of course, nothing is ever as it seems, as a blight and a curse have infested Tamlin's court, and it will come down to Farah to fight for her beast or leave him forever. I'm going to give a side note. This book has 1.3 million, million ratings on Goodreads and an average of a 4.2 ratings. That is damn impressive. I want there to be a war between the SJ Moss fans and the co There is a war. There is definitely a war on social media. Like I see it all the time. And I'm like, (laughs) why can't we like both? I don't personally like Coho. But I don't understand why we can't be in two genres. Like, I think it's totally fine. Love love <laughs> I, to read what you love to read. It is what it is. I would love to see a debate, like a very heavily <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> as long as it's virtual, I'm not responsible for anybody going after anybody else. So like a rumble in the I, I parking lot. I can make no. that happen. That'd be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd love that. It is crazy, though, the reach that these books have. And I I think I was looking, I was looking this up yesterday, and it was like eight or nine million views on TikTok that the hashtag like a quarter thorns and roses had. I think what's funny about it is somehow we avoided it for five years. I didn't find out about this book until 2020. I just started seeing it everywhere. And I was like, what is this? What is going on here? I didn't know anything about Sarah J. Moss went very deep mm-hmm. down a rabbit hole and then literally preached the word of Moss to all of you in our book club and forced everybody to read it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm still thinking about this debate I'm gonna see if I can make it happen guys (laughs) 
Anyway, Kat, <laughs> was this book a rage or a rave for you? And do you feel differently about it now rereading it than you did when you first read it? It's hard because I compared to Throne of Glass, which I like love. love. I like this series. I love mm-hmm. the other series. So I liked it knowing what I know on the second overview. You know what? I still like Tamlin. I really do. I, I want to give him a shot. It's mm-hmm. it's hard for me. Everybody wants to save him. He's a wounded puppy. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked it. It was a rave. It was a rave, but not a throne of glass rave yeah. in my opinion. I agree. It was it was definitely a rave. It's it's hard to to separate it out because obviously we've read well, we've read both of the series, but we've also read all the way mm-hmm. through this one at least as as much as it exists at the moment. And so it's hard to go back to the beginning and try to like sort out some of your feelings of like what you know happens and like what's happening in this book, but I do agree. Um, I like Tamlin in this book. And I think my goal going through this is to really try and watch his character arc and what kind of happened. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like I had very specific feelings when I read it the first time. I'm trying to give him more of a benefit of the doubt as we had as I had into like the second and third books whenever I get to those to rereading those but still still a rave for me. I I still think it's very much in the threes, though. I think it was good, but I don't think it was as great as everybody was making it seem but i do think it's such an interesting twist to beauty and the mm-hmm. favorite and least favorite character my favorite character is still nesta i loved her from the beginning i hated the arc that she took throughout some of the rest of the books don't love how she put everything on farah but nesta mm-hmm. is a ride or fucking die right and i've always appreciated that i was literally taking more notes to be reading this and the fact that she is the only person who went after farah and nesta was literally going to try and bulldoze her way into like a fairy realm like how can you not love that Lee's favorite mm-hmm. character, the Ator or the Adder or however you say it. Uh, I yeah. hate them. I don't like those little creepy, creepy guys. But otherwise, I don't think I hated any characters other than the way Pharaoh's family treated her. How about you? My favorite is still Lucian. I, I like Lucian. Love, I love Lucian. I love everything about him. And it always makes me laugh when <laughs> Spoiler alert, like they cut out his eye mm-hmm. or whatever. He has a scar over his eye and they're like, he's hideous. And I'm like, he has he one has scar. scar. Oh, right here. Come on. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Let's calm down. Like, Anyways. I love redheads. So <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, I'm a sucker for ginger. Uh, also, he's like a dark skinned ginger. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, boo. I still am not a fan of Elaine. I just she gets on my ever loving nerve. Mm-hmm. She is useless. I'm like, at this point, they should just like kill you off mm-hmm. because you're adding nothing to the story and you're Agreed. annoying me. She annoyed me in that book. She annoys me in the next mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. N- I've never not, li- I've never liked her in any of the books. Like I just can't. I don't even have enough thoughts about her though, to have her as my least favorite character. If that makes sense. I forget about her. The majority, mm-hmm. the majority of it. Cause you're right. She serves no purpose. I'm just like, what, what are you doing here? How did you feel about this retelling of beauty and the beast? What worked and what didn't? So I liked this retelling obviously had, so much more depth Mm -hmm. than even the original telling. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved the world she built out. I I loved everything. I loved how he was kind of like a shapeshifter Mm -hmm. in a sense. She took it and like cranked it up to the max volume, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Top three favorite Mm -hmm. retellings, in my opinion. What about you? Well, after reading the French version yesterday, (laughs) this actually stays very closely with the OG, OG version. But I did like this retelling. When I I read this for the first time, I was getting a little bored with it because I was like, okay, it's Beauty and the Beast, cool. Like, they're going to whatever. 
And then when we went under the mountain, it was like, it's like, what the hell just happened here? Where did, where did we just go? Like, I was not expecting that when I first read it in any capacity. I wasn't expecting Pharaoh to go down that path. So I did appreciate that veering off from the original tale because what I like about both of these is the women had a lot more say in the way they were mm-hmm. being treated and how they were operating and in choosing the path that they wanted. So speaking of the family that are a bunch of a-holes, this whole book... <laughs> Why do you think it fell to her to fix everything and not Nesta as the eldest or even the dad for being a dad? I I can't. It like always pisses me off. I can't even read that part. It's just like it drives me insane. Wallowing. That's what it was. He was just in a, you know, woe is me. Sorry. Sorry about it. Like just having a little pity party for himself. And he just gave up. Nesta, I think, was so furious with the dad and just like everything that happened, losing her mom, just everything. She could not see out of that box. She was just being petty. And that wasn't helpful to anybody. I do agree. That was not helpful. And Nessa could have literally helped them regain their fortune within the first like chapter if she had been right. You know what I mean? If her, if her energy had been going to the right things, they would not have been here. So I think Nessa was just too caught up, unfortunately, in her own bullshit as well. Elaine is useless. She was never going to do this. So Farrah was it. There was no one else. Mm-hmm. It was either her. Or they were going to die. I know. I know that feeling quite well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If I don't do it, who does it? Yeah, I think we both feel for her though, because we're like the youngest. We're always organizing things between our older siblings and fixing squabbles and issues and errors. So. Which is amazing. Yeah, amazing. How it's always <laughs> I think the we get it. have to do that. It's like yeah, I'm gonna do get... the same thing. So, well, after killing the wolf in the hunting scene, do you think Farah really had a choice when Tamlin offered death or life in Prithian? Like. What else are you going to do? Is there a, <laughs> is there a third option? <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, no. And plus, she was poor as shit. I would have gone with him too. I'd been like, okay. And then I would have done a little bit out of spite and be like, y'all now have to survive without me. Would you be able to wear a mask for 50 years? No. As that was a part I'm like, of- how did you wash your face? Like, <laughs> how did you wash your face? How do you sleep? I'm so uncomfortable for them. I don't understand. I It would have driven me up the wall. I would not have been well. I would have been like, the crazy yeah. lady in the tower like I couldn't handle it it would have broken me <laughs> again the whole basis is this little scar on Lucian's freaking eye I would have been like no I'm not wearing it because he got one scar this is ridiculous uh, no I'm not doing it this is dramatic on mm-hmm. all accounts I hope I would have the been dr- the one person who was like sick that day and just been like oh well <laughs> you know what I mean I would have been so mad at Lucian for the end of time I'd be like you remember that time I had to wear a mask for 50 years because you were so superficial about one tiny ass scar it would have been really funny watching Kat interact with Lucian for 50 years about this mask. Like, I would have been masked, like I said, I was like, that night, but watching the vengeance, it would have made my whole life. Like, that would have been great, actually. Ugh. All right. Well, in this, we are introduced to Reese, Rysan, Rysan, and he obviously has a much bigger role in this series than I think anybody would have anticipated after reading this first book. But what was your very first impression of him at that very first uh, festival situation? I didn't, I didn't like him. I didn't like yeah. him. I was like, who are you? Why are you here? Are you Gaston? Like, that's where I yeah. thought it was. Yeah. Gaston. Yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of him in general, to yeah. be honest with you. I appreciated that he saved her. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. good. But I did not like him in the beginning. But I don't think you're meant to. Um, I think towards the end, you start realizing he's not quite who we thought he was. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. 
okay, this is different. Man, we were team Tam. I was team Tamlin. I was like, what's happening here? We're we're literally under the I mountain fighting for our man here. The only time I actually like really liked him is when she because she can't read, and so he was helping. Like brought like threw it in her face. I was like, fuck you. I was like, I was like, yeah. I'm gonna punch you in the throat, he was bro. Very like, mean in this book. He had to be, and I mm-hmm. understand that. Say how random that Beauty and the Bees. Like Beauty is always such a like bookworm and obsessed with books, and then she's illiterate in this one. I think that's the biggest change that really annoyed me. I'm glad she does learn how to read, but it was annoying. So speaking of when he showed up, what did you think of the Faye holidays? I thought it was interesting. I always love a good Faye, uh, Faye party. I like seeing them in the different universes as well. It's interesting to see what's the same, what's not, like what you're holding to. Although I didn't really understand why she couldn't be out during the... Fr- I understood from Tamlin's perspective why they were trying to keep her in the house during that first like May event because they didn't want him like running after her and like procreating. Summer Solstice, they're like, fuck it, go out and party. It's fine. I'm like, why is it okay there? Why did she not have people trying to get her there? Like that, that didn't make any sense to me, but... I actually want to go. <laughs> want to go to the summer one. That sounded fun. I was like, I always want to go to a Faye holiday. <laughs> Wherever they are, if you guys are listening, um, Seely or Unseely. doesn't matter. We're down. But let's get into the under the mountain part mm-hmm. with Amarantha. That was like a real twist that mm-hmm. neither one of us saw coming. What did you think of the challenges? And did you guess the riddle? The challenges. That first challenge was so disgusting. I was just cringing. You know how I am. I was just like absolutely cringing. I was like, this is not sanitary. Like (laughs) (laughs) The second one was terrifying because I was like, oh my God, she's not making it out of this one. Like she literally cannot read. Lucian can't help her. I was like, we're fucked. We're fucked. We're literally fucked. And then we find out that her little embellishment tattoo does a little bit more than we anticipated. So I was like, all right, Reese, you're like gaining some ground here. Mm -hmm. The third one was horrifying, absolutely horrifying, and obviously haunts Farah throughout all of her life, as far as we know about it. I mean, they were definitely villainous uh, challenges, right? What'd you think of the riddle? Did you guess it? I didn't. I don't think I guessed it at first. I'm trying. I knew what it was, obviously, the second time around. I, I honestly don't think I guessed it the first time. I think I was too busy trying to figure out what the hell was going on. <laughs> like, there's just so much occurring at the same time. Uh, but what about you? Um, I feel like if I were to ever be with a sphinx or somebody who gives me a riddle, my first answer would be love. My second, and they were like, wrong. I'd be like, second answer, time. Mm-hmm. Like, those are like mm-hmm. always the baseline mm-hmm. of riddle answers. Mm-hmm. It was the third challenge that got me. Yeah. It's like, that was rough. That was- as, a, as a villain as a whole, I don't think they did everything they could have done in this book. But obviously, I don't think we had enough backstory. There was there was backstory because she was starting to build towards what happens throughout the rest of the, the series. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she was as big bad as they wanted her to be. So she could have been baddier. <laughs> another uh, a thousand percent mm-hmm. i was like she basically just drug jaws drink and mm-hmm. sold powers come on anyway. no yeah i think i think they could have made her worse but then again they don't want her to be the big bad because yeah she's it's a gone. bigger baddier mm-hmm. do you think it was right for the high lords to turn pharaoh Faye rather than just let her die hell yeah they owed her <laughs> ass if i died i would haunt all those bitches i ain't getting no sleep because y'all <laughs> y'all ain't getting no sleep because of me that would be my life in the corner of all of their mansions 
with some pots and pans. <laughs> Having a tea party at like 2 a.m., like a very loud one with all the other ghosties. The only thing I didn't shit. like about it was she didn't have a choice, and that obviously literally changed <laughs> who she actually was. Would I have been mad at it? No. Like, I would have much preferred that and to be an immortal and to get to do all these like cool things. She didn't have a choice in the matter. You are 100% correct. She saved all their butts. They owe her till the end mm-hmm. of time. Like, forever. Like, and I ever. would use that and be like, hey, look at this court you mm-hmm. have because you have powers. Remember me? That was me. There is no, no. limit. The limit does not exist on how many right. favors I get to ask of you. And I'm not even like, asking you. I'm telling you mm-hmm. what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So there's no asking. Mm-hmm. It's just me telling you. By the end of this novel, were you Team Tamlin or Reese? I was t- still Team Tamlin, at least in terms of who I thought Farrah was going to mm-hmm. end up with. But I was more sympathetic towards Reese because I saw that there was obviously much more to him than who we thought he was going to be. He was genuinely trying to fight for Farah and fight Amarantha at the end. And he was just going all in on that while others were just kind of like, I'm like, there are thousands of you. Why aren't you just rebelling and going against it? There are more of Mm -hmm. you than there are of her. What the hell are you doing? And he was one of the only ones that was like rage against the machine. So I appreciate it, but still team Tamlin in terms of her love interest. So. I am still Team Tamlin. I'm really hoping he gets a good arc. I do too. I really want to save this. I don't like that we had to make him bad in order to make Reese Agreed. good. And I don't even like Reese that much, but like I, I like get it, like how the books progressed, and I and I completely understand where she was going. But I was like, we didn't have to make him. I want him to be redeemed. Mm-hmm. Reese, I liked till a certain point, but in Nesta's book, I fucking hate him and Pharaoh. Like I hate them both. I don't like either one of them. Oh, I don't know how you're gonna come back from that, but the Pharaoh and this book is not the Farah in Silver Flames. Like that is not the same person. I don't know how to redeem Farah because she gets on my nerves yeah. now. Elaine, hey, and then it's like Farah is mm-hmm. like right above her. I am still Team Tamlin. I know that's like very controversial because people have like serious strong opinions mm-hmm. about anti Tamlin. And him I'm tampon. I was like, that's so mean. Stop calling him tampon. Like I saw that. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> I, I do not think Reese is that great. I just like I don't either. The draw. I'm, I started to like him a lot more in the second book when you realize everything he did to save his people and then we just it just feared such a dislike in silver flames i just can't come back from that by the third book i was like Mm -hmm. i am not continuing this series if i have to read more about Mm -hmm. them i do not care i'm really done so when they switched it to Nessa, I was like, Thank awesome. God, that was a good choice. I think she was also realizing she's kind of coming to a point of she doesn't really have much more to say about Farah, the way, the road that Farah has gone down. So so out of this whole book, mm-hmm. what scene stuck out the most for you? It was the scene I really enjoyed because, you know, this will come out on Valentine's Day. We'll talk about love, but it was the summer solstice. And it was the scene when Tamlin took her, I think they were just in like this meadow and they were dancing with the will-o'-wisps and they just had like this beautiful dawn after like Tamlin was fiddling and they were like welcoming the dawn. It was just beautiful. I could just see it. It was just beautifully written. And that's probably one of the scenes I'm excited to see in a like TV show adaption because I just think it'd be absolutely gorgeous. What about you? Okay, so mine is totally uh, dark. <laughs> I tried to lighten it up. That's fine. <laughs> I appreciate it. I think that it's not that I like the scene, but it's the first time I took Amarantha seriously is when they had Claire mm-hmm. in the back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Like, because at this point, I thought the book was kind of fluffy pretty yeah yeah pretty light mm-hmm. and then when she threw that in there, i was like real. oh yeah because i didn't think yeah, that one and go that way no and when she had to kill that fae you don't come back from that as an immortal you don't come back from that mm-hmm. no. no all in all if you guys have not read this 
read the series. It is worth it is worth the hype. The series as a whole is worth the hype, but Nessa's book is probably still my favorite, and I love her and the 100%. characters in that book. So just an FYI. But also Throne of Glass, I will recommend until I'm blue in the face. So uh, Agreed. If you would like to start with something you like, read this series. If you want to get into something you'll love, get into mm-hmm. Throne of Glass. I'm still waiting for some kind of update on the TV show. I don't know what's happening. Everybody's also been chattering on Bookstagram about how quiet Sarah J Moss has been. She hasn't even posted anything since November. And it's just been very quiet on the writing front. Like I'm, I feel like there's something coming, but I don't know what it's going to be. There's also a lot of chatter about actors and different shows that are ending. And so they might be going into that. So there's a lot of chatter. Mm. Excited to see where it all shakes out. I'm going to be very critical of the casting. I'm just going to say that right now. I do hope Lucian they go the especially. older route though. Like with the characters, like I hope they're not like like 20, you know, 20 year olds. Like I want like older actors, I think would be good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be very critical of Lucian and the high court fay of what is it? Don. Mm. He's so hot. <laughs> He's like my favorite <laughs> dark skin, white hair. I'm like, mm-hmm. I keep, I don't know if you've ever watched Emily in Paris. It's not, there's nothing like, there's no reason why you need to watch it other than it's in Paris. So I just like enjoy watching the scenes and the, the, outfits but there is a lead character he is a french actor and i'm blanking on his name right now but i just see him as tamlin and in the beginning the earlier seasons the later seasons they do something with his hair i'm very uncomfortable with it is it lucas bravo that sounds right yeah his name sounds so fake so i never think it's real but i see him as tamlin so i don't like a lot I of can blonde, see that. but i see him if you just watch I a little snippet and just how he acts i think he would be good as as tamlin he's a little bit older I could get into it. I just know whoever they're going to put for favorite. I'm not going to like. I, I, I agree. I'm probably character. not going like, like, to like it. Care. Everybody saying Sam, Sam Hugan for Lucian, uh, the lead from Outlander who played Jamie. Mm-hmm. And they said because Outlander's ending, maybe he'll swing that way. That's why I want the characters to be older because I'm like, Yes. <laughs> I mean, I hate Elaine, but I'll totally get cast as her. And they better be my mate. make Cassian and Asriel. Like, I, they, if they fuck up the Batboys, man, we're going to have some problems. So I need, I need because... final say on the casting for them. I think we have a favorite out of these two. Definitely A Court of Thorns and Roses. But to wrap it up, what is just in general one of your favorite Beauty and the Beast retellings? Beautician and the Beast. Oh, my Brand God. Drescher. Timothy Dalton. <laughs> I will love so Fran Drescher to the day I die. I got to see her on Broadway, and it was, like, it was fantastic. Oh. She was in Cinderella. Um, I don't even know. Maybe five or six years ago, and it was wonderful. So, her. What about you? Well, that's definitely a good one. I don't know. I actually didn't get to see the, the remake that they just did or the ABC Live one. Great casting in that though. Josh Groban, her, Shania Twain. I mean, you can't go wrong. So I definitely have that one on my list. But in terms of like just a traditional retelling, I did really like the live version with Emma Watson. Mm-hmm. I thought they did such a good job and I just loved her. It was a great, it was a, mm-hmm. it was great to see her in that role. Petition and the Beast is marvelous. <laughs> I know. Fran Drescher, always. Love Fran Drescher, always. All right, well, we want to hear from you. What is your favorite Beauty and the Beast retelling? Email us at hello at pageragepodcast.com or DM us on Insta at pageragepodcast. And of course, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast network. <laughs>